Hello and welcome to the How to Hobby podcast. I'm your host, John Power, joined once again by the master of disaster, Sean Bennett, coming to you live from San Diego, California. And it's a beautiful night here. We're just enjoying this wonderful, cool air that's swept in over the over the, the end of November. It's it, it's great. Sean, you're a happy man, right? Oh, I am. I am so stoked. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that though I've lived in San Diego almost my whole life, I definitely don't fit in here when it comes to the weather. My favorite time of year is after uh, daylight savings to where it gets dark at 430 and it's freezing at night. That's my favorite time of the year. And so today we had torrential downpour. Uh, and it was it was just awesome. Just sitting sitting in my room, uh, working with the window open, the fan on, just getting that cool uh, moist air coming in. It was it was something special. It was just really nice. It's my favorite time of year. Well, and it's it's not going anywhere, which is great. It looks like mm-hmm. I was I was looking at the weather with normal. Normally, I don't do here because I know it's always going to be <laughs> mild and sunny and beautiful, but. Uh, I looked at the weather and it was going to be lows of forties all in the, in the evening, like at night. Mm-hmm. And I've been enjoying it too, because I like getting out there last, last thing of the night, my, uh, ever since the, the dawn of COVID and I've had to take my, my workouts to the, to the house, to the homestead, uh, the kids don't let me get out, um, anytime that I want. So I have to go out last thing around, usually around 9 PM. I'll go out and I'll do either like jump rope or ride my stationary bike or something of that nature, maybe even go for a little jog. But I, I do it in shorts and a short sleeve shirt every time. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, it just, just feels great. Feels real good. And I've been really getting into it ever since those polar plunges I took in, in, uh, you got the, the Ar- Arctic enemas and yeah, uh, oh, yeah, the Arctic enema. That was step number two. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's in your blood now. But yeah, yeah. I, I, this is my absolute favorite time of the year. It's always been, not only is it Christmas, uh, New Year's, but just the cold weather, the amazing atmosphere, the, the getting dark early. Like it's just, it's, it's my jam. Um, and I'm just really happy. I'm in a good mood. That's great, man. Well, happy to hear it. Well, we got another packed full episode this evening. It is going to be the financial episode part two. Uh, if you haven't heard our last financial episode, we did it shortly before Thanksgiving. So go out, go back. I think it was episode 14. Take a look, take a listen and let us know what you think. But tonight we are going to be going through finances kind of more in depth, uh, thinking about tomorrow, setting yourself up for your future. But before we get into tonight's episode, we just want to remind you guys, we do have some some websites, some social media links that you can you can dive into when you're not listening to the How To Hobby podcast. Give us some some ideas. Get, we want to hear from you guys. So definitely drop a like or a follow at our how to hobby at um, that's Instagram, Twitter, and that's how to hobby podcast. Uh, we also have a website, which Sean is a big fan of. It's the how to hobby podcast.com. Definitely drop by, take a look, let us know if you could see things that that need to be improved. Cause we're all ears here at how to hobby land and we like getting constructive criticism. So uh, yeah. Reach out, guys. Let us know your thoughts. Sean, 
Tell me about some of your favorite holiday traditions, because you mentioned some of my favorite things, which is all of the good, good coming out of the the end Mm -hmm. of the year here in December. We're in December now. It's the 14th. What's uh, what's a tradition that you you guys have running over there in the Bennett household? Uh, We have always had a tradition. It's one of my favorite things we do every December is as it gets closer to Christmas, we drive around looking for Christmas lights. So I've had the pleasure of growing up next to military housing. And when I was a kid, as I got older, the rules kind of changed. But as a kid, uh, the military housing, um, the the rates for power were a little bit cheaper for them over there. And so <laughs> they generally tended to go all out when it came to Christmas lights and blow ups. And it was just, you could drive through Murphy Canyon and it was just an absolute maze of Christmas lights. And over the years that's kind of dropped. Um, but there's, uh, if you live in San Diego, there's a place called Bellardo lights, B E L A R D O. I believe, um, that's actually in my neighborhood in Terrasana and they do, uh, it's a family. I believe both of their sons, uh, might have autism, and they have formed an obsession with Christmas lights. And so this family has developed this passion for Christmas lights. And they used to travel around the world looking for different displays and programming and things like that. And they have this huge light show that they do every year on their house with music and uh TVs showing Santa walking back and forth is really, really cool. So if you live in San Diego, Bolardo lights uh, in tier Santa is amazing. Um, but I just, wow. I love looking at Christmas lights. It's just one of my favorite things to do. It's one of my favorite traditions. Uh, and that, that's just, that's my jam. <laughs> What about you? Dude. What do you do? What does your family do? That's that's super cool. I, I've actually never seen the Bellardo light, so I'm gonna have to take the family out and, mm-hmm. and check that out. Uh yeah, my my you know, now having two kids, we're always looking for any reason to throw them into the car and yeah. uh, have them sit there still for a second. So <laughs> strap them down. Um I'll have to ch- check out the Bellardo lights. Um, we have we have a couple in the in the power household, but my favorite is actually a traditional Ukrainian uh, holy supper that we do the beginning or sorry, right before um, it's Christmas Eve night. So right before right. Christmas Day strikes, um, but it's the the last dinner you do before the the Christmas Day, and in in Ukrainian culture there's a lot of uh catholicism that's that's kind of you know that's like the natural religious tendency so for before christmas day you kind of take this fast from all the meats and the processed stuff so it's a very humble meal Mm -hmm. and it's it's like a six part or six course uh kind of display multi multi multi-coursed ordeal, but it's all very small amounts of grains. And, um, of course there's potatoes and, um, peas and different vegetables, um, some mushrooms, prunes. Uh, but one of the more interesting ones is at the beginning, we lay out bread at, at the, on the table and everybody takes a slice at the beginning and we light a candle in the middle that's stuck into like a, a loaf of bread, which is pretty cool. And I remember that as a kid, kind of like, you know, you dim the lights and mm-hmm. you light the candle, everybody gets a piece of bread and then there's garlic, raw garlic cloves around on the table and you put them onto your bread. I mean, maybe this isn't what everybody does, <laughs> but this is what we did. And you put it right on the bread and then you eat it with the bread. Um, 
and it's supposed it's symbolized like each course symbolizes something but this course okay. symbolizes uh it's trying to cleanse yourself and uh bring you good health going into the new year so that i always thought really really fascinating yeah That's i always so thought cool. it was super interesting and then of course it ends with uh uh wait it's the biscuit not the biscuit um it's like a, the dumpling, the Ukrainian dumpling. Okay. So that's what, what we end the meal with. And it's a, it's really, really good. Um, so yeah, that's, that's our little, little Christmas tradition that we've been doing since I was a very young, young kid. And we're, we're going to be doing that again this year with, with my kids. And so it's been, it's been fun to now start doing that in, in the, you know, with my wife. Yeah, and that's, that's a really cool tradition. Yeah. I mean, you don't have many. And, and this is one thing I say about kind of our culture in the U S it seems like some of that, some of the more interesting meal related traditions kind of get whitewashed away or something. I don't know what happens, but I think you come to the U S and sometimes your culture, uh, I don't know. I guess when I look at my, even my own life, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people that have a lot to say about this type of thing, but, um, I feel like my, my upbringing could have been a bit more involved with different traditions regarding food, mm-hmm. but we only had this one. So yeah, it's pretty valuable. That's, that's not only is that really cool one, I had no idea about you. So I'm learning this with the listeners at the same time about <laughs> John's family tradition. Uh, that's cool that it's a completely different culture and that you're introducing that to your kids as well. Cause that's, those are the stories that they're going to talk about with their friends as they get older and they say, well, yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. This is, this is a tradition. This is a family thing. And it really gives a lot of diversity to your kids, which is really cool. And I think something a lot of people are lacking on right now. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of, especially we've been talking about food. We've been talking about, you know, we both have a real interest in, in cooking, but, um, this is something that I think I really want my kids to understand. Like I just made pumpkin bread with my daughter today and it was so fun, you know, making it through with her and, and kind of like adding the various things. And, um, yeah, it, it was just a a really fun, fun thing to do. So, I really want to like go through that, but one website I do want to bring your attention, Sean, which is, it's pretty cool. I can link it in the thing, but it's called, uh, pull, but pierogi and dumpling. I couldn't think of the name, which is super okay. sad, but I was, it, I was feeling the pressure of the podcast. <laughs> um, but it's the pierogi. That's the, the dumpling that we, uh, that we make every year, but that's part of the fun too, is we make them prior to the meal. And, um, so this lady has some really great recipes for all these different pierogies and you can make them savory and you can make them so like, you know, with fruit and whipped cream, or you can make them more, um, sweet. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty neat and definitely something I want. I, I've been meaning to get more involved, uh, with my daughter in this process but she's still pretty young. So we're going to have time to make a lot of these, but there's a lot of recipes if you want to dig in there. Yeah. I'll take a look. Polish we can, your kitchen. We can uh, link this one down in the, in the 
show notes of this episode for you listeners. And definitely if you have your family traditions, you can uh, let us know what those are. And we'd love to love to hear what those are from anybody around the world, especially if you're not here in San Diego, please don't be here and say, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Cause we want, we want diversity. We want to expose ourselves to stuff. And and if you guys send us some of your traditions, we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out in a future episode and and you can uh, tell us about what you, what your family does and, and we can expose everybody to some diversity out there. That would be awesome. Well, Sean, without further ado, let's jump into tonight's rip roaring topic. (laughs) And I mean, rip roaring. It's financials part two. And tonight we're going to start with everybody's favorite. And I think we dug into it a little bit in the first part of this financial journey that we've been on together. Mm -hmm. It really, it just, it psychs us up. I, I, you have a joy (laughs) in your mind. I can see it in your face right now. It's, it's beautiful, but budgeting can be one of those things. It's like pulling teeth or it can be something that isn't that bad. And I think you and me have both established ways we've, we've talked in the past of, the various ways that we're kind of making it more palatable for ourselves even. And you've got to find out your own. We were just talking before the show yep. even started. You've got to find your own flow. You got to find your own niche in the, in the market of it to, to get yourself in the, in the habit of doing it, because if you don't enjoy it, you're never going to do it. So you have to figure out uh, right now I'm using a pen and paper and that's sheerly because I haven't, I wasn't able to continue my in-depth, spreadsheeting. I just Mm -hmm. didn't have as much time to get on the computer. So it was like, Oh, I'll just, I'll write. And it's, you know, again, once you get the principles dialed in, you're more easily able to just transition between, you know, maybe my life's busy. So I'll just go pen and paper route. You can still do pretty good tracking, like you said, but I know you you're tracking to the scent right now, which is (laughs) well done. I go ham. So for me, pen and paper never worked. I tried it, uh, And I told myself, uh, just commit to this. You'll figure this out. Just write everything down. Never worked, mainly because I never, I don't know if it was just who I was at the time. I just never made the time to do it. Just never worked. And then I have a love for Excel. I know some people out there absolutely hate it, but I think it's an incredibly powerful software and I love using it. And so I ended up going through probably about two to three weeks of hardcore create one, see if it worked, redesign, receive it worked, redesign, see if it worked. I went through probably four or five different iterations of how I needed it set up so that my brain worked. And that's the key going into when you're first starting budgeting, there are some rough categories you can put stuff in. I know John and I will cover that in a little bit for percentages and things like that, but the process of doing it, the actual sitting down, doing a pen and paper or Excel, there is no right way. It's whatever works for you. So if you need to write it out, you write it out. If you need to buy a, a whiteboard so that you can put it on something, <laughs> get yourself a whiteboard. All those uh, engineers me, out there are like, yes. Yeah. For me, I needed Excel and I use Google Sheets. So you don't even have to have uh, Excel on your computer. So let's say you're a Mac user or you just don't have the money to afford the license for Excel. I use Google Sheets. It's free to anybody who has a Gmail account. Um, 
That also gives me the flexibility of entering stuff from my cell phone because I have the Google Sheets app on my Android. And that way, when I'm out on the run, I just bought something, I bought Boba or whatever it is. I could just open up my spreadsheet, go 1058 for Boba, and then I can deal with the other details later, but at least I can track it as I go. Yeah, that Boba um, inflation is no joke <laughs> these days. I mean, when you're, and I just love it. Sean out on the run, he's got his Boba. He is going, uh, going well, all here, in. Here's why, here's why. I said Boba, and this is where I think a few people get trapped is when you are budgeting, people tend to forget tip. You almost everyone always tends to forget tip. So I'm going to spend $10 on Boba. Oh, that's right. I tipped another dollar on top of that. Yeah, it's only a dollar, but it's still a dollar, you know, or you went out to a nice restaurant and you put $90 on your credit card. You tipped, I don't know, 15, 20% you forget you tipped that extra amount. So that's why I write it down. And also because the charge, depending on how the business runs it, will show up on my credit card as the value before tip. And so I'll go- It gets you every time. Every time. When it's pending, it's the what you- eight and then what actually hits once it posts that's it with the tip and so it's an easy way to forget and like all my values all my uh addition comes down and i have like i'm like seven dollars and 48 cents off and i'm like what is this and i go oh that's right i have three uh charges where i forgot tip that I needed to go fix. So for me, Excel is the way that I do it. I use Google Sheets. It's not really Excel, but you know, it's a spreadsheet app. Um, and that's the the best way that has worked for me. I've been doing that since February of 2021 that I've been using this Excel, the one that I'm currently using. Oh, okay. And, um, so fairly new. Yeah, so fairly new. And um, a lot of that was because pre that I was trying to do everything by hand and then everything was kind of rough estimates. I wasn't actually doing anything, but my engineering brain needed to track every single penny uh, and where it was going. Um, and so then based on that, that's how I budget is with that. That allows me to track so I can quick run some numbers. I even have pie charts I set up based on different categories of spending. So I can see, okay, I'm bumping kind of high into this category. I need to bump that down so that I can actually save like I want to. It kind of just gives me those visuals. I, I, I'm a visual learner. I need that stuff. No, that's great, man. Very, uh, and and something I, I'll talk a little bit more about my, my system right now, but actually I've been using, it sounds really weird, but I've been using the credit card to mm-hmm. be my cap for my two weeks. So in my life, <clears throat> very little of my money is actually spent on things that I want to spend it on. <laughs> so um, there's just a lot of, it's mostly bills and it's mostly the kids and the groceries and, you know, and my wife and me, when we, you know, when we go out or we mm-hmm. have a, have a drink or have a, have a meal together. Um, but pretty much that's, it's kind of weird because I've just been running, which again, I feel like this is maybe more advanced. Like, I don't know if you'd want to do this right off the bat, but for me, it's been working over the last, since we started probably since we were married, I've sort of been doing this and tweaking it, but making it so that you know that your two week budget expenditure is this much. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter what you spent your money on necessarily. I still track that. And I track like, you know, what is coming out because it would be silly not to do that. But it, but 
then I'm able to kind of know, okay, so this is like our two week cap. And if we're, if we're trending high every week, every, or, you know, every two weeks, you know, you can have those conversations right on the spot and try and just like recalibrate. Cause I mean, that's something that when you have a spouse or a, a partner or, you know, girlfriend, you, maybe you're running, I, well, I wouldn't advise you if you just had a girlfriend to be combining finances, but <laughs> if you were, um, you know, having those tough conversations can be a good, good experience just to get things rolling, seeing if you can mm-hmm. actually have these types of conversations and before you get married or get more serious, but, um, yeah, it just makes it a little bit easier. And so that's kind of been an interesting, you know, once you kind of understand all the various, and I usually, when I, when a tip is involved, I do try and write down on a receipt and bring yep. it with me so that I can input the correct amount and not be guessing. Like you said, like at the end of the month, you have all these random, like, oh, that's like 10, 15, 18 more dollars than I was thinking originally oh, that's because those tips popped and you didn't see it. Yep. Um, cause normally we look in our, our apps and see like the pending charges and we're like, okay, that'll, that'll and so it, <laughs> it worked, <laughs> it worked. But, uh, so that's great, Sean. I think showing the various ways that you can do it is, is good. As always, we're doing it in sort of different ways, but being successful at it, because I know I can see it you're a successful person. You have the passion for it. And, um, you know, you're on the how to hobby experience. So we, we, we keep each other in check. Um, I do want to jump into now. We sort of talked about how you can do this, but I want to talk about sort of the different ideas and basic methods for creating a budget, because I think actually this is something I implemented this year for, for my family. Cause for a long time, it was just, I knew there were certain things that I wanted to come out like every month. And for me, it was always 10% for my like Roth IRA, my retirement investment mm-hmm. um, and 10% for tithe for the church. Mm-hmm. And that was just something that I always, you know, was like, I was brought up with that idea of this, these are important things. Um, so I have 20% right off the bat that I know has to, that is going to be going out at, at all costs towards, you know, these various categories, but everything else was kind of, well, where is it going? Sort of that black box thing, which I think we've, we have talked about that. We talked about that in the first episode, but um, just this idea that you don't know where your finances are and what's going on. It's some things go in, some things come out and you're, you have no control. Well, this was a really good thumb rule for me and it's called the 50, 30, 20 rule. And it's an easy budgeting method that pretty much specifies quite simply 50% for your needs, 30% for your wants and 20% for your savings Mm -hmm. or paying off debt. So, and it kind of, we talked about this, Sean, and I know that you're passionate about this idea that of the guilt-free spending, yep, so yep. it's right there in the 30%. It's giving you 30% of your total income after tax. Unfortunately, you do, you do get taxed. <laughs> yep. Welcome to California. <laughs> um, to go and, and, and have fun in quotes, right. And, yeah. and just not really be too, and everybody's picture is going to be different within these bounds. But I'm curious if you use, I, I started using this uh, this year and actually broke it down 
And, and it was interesting to see because even without knowing that I was utilizing like a 50, 30, 20 rule, it kind of naturally was falling into it. Uh, my want category is more like the bill category, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to California. Uh-huh. But uh, one day, one day, uh, you know, the wants, maybe about 5% for wants. Yeah, there you go. I know I follow a slightly different, um, same concept, just slightly different percentages. I base mine off of the book that I know I talked about, um, the, I will teach you be rich by Remy Seti. I know, um, he has a fantastic section in there and I have the book next to me. And so the way that I'm working and I don't have this perfected yet, I'm still working on this, trying to figure out how to make this work for me. But my goal, uh, is 50 to 60% of your take-home pay. So everything that we're talking about is take-home, um, like like John recommended, so after taxes. Um, 50 to 60% of your take-home pay is for your fixed costs, rent, utilities, uh, debt, anything you have like that. And then about 10% uh, goes to investing. So uh, I do um, I do 10% of the 401k and I max out my Roth, um, which is a little aggressive, I know, for most well people. Um, but it's definitely... <laughs> It's, it'll work in the long run. Um, and then five to 10% your savings goals and another 20 to 35. I don't know the actual values because the range is 20 to 35%. He says is guilt-free spending. And this is the toughest category for me, um, with this. So it's similar to the 50, 30, 20, but he breaks it out a little bit farther. So the 30 for you, John, I think includes some of the, you know, guilt-free money and the, the investing and things like that, but it's, same concept. Um, but for me, when I wasn't tracking everything, it is so easy to guilt-free spend money <laughs> or not guilt-free spend money to guiltly spend money. You're spending money and you know, you shouldn't once you're tracking everything. And this is this, the dangerous part of tracking every penny. It's very easy to all of a sudden be scared to spend money. So if I want to go out and I want to splurge and this month, I'm taking me out. I'm going to go grab a nice dinner on the town. I feel guilty when that check comes for $90. You know, even though I know I have all my investing is covered, all of my savings is covered, all of my bills are covered. It's my own money. I feel guilty doing that. That's the dangerous part about tracking every penny is you start to feel guilty spending money you know you can and that's mm. that's the toughest part. That's that's where I'm struggling. And so I'm saying I'm still trying to implement this is actually building in my guilt-free spending. I don't do enough of that. I focus mainly on the savings. Well, and I will tell you right now, Sean, one thing that'll really make it easier is when you need to go guilt-free spending, just tap me right on the shoulder and be like, hey, John, I'm going down to Brigantine right now. Come on out. Let's go get oysters. We're gonna, we're gonna go, yeah, we're gonna go guilt-free spend. And I'll be like, that sounds great, Sean, just as long as you're covering it. There you go. <laughs> guilt-free on me. I like it. Guilt-free. We're starting it, dude. Hashtag guilt-free on me. Oh, it's heard it here first. That's yeah. for sure. Well, and that's, no, I, I do think you're hitting on a, a really important, a important part of it because even when I get, so I'm, I'm a musician um, and we actually just landed uh, a, a residency here in San Diego. So we've been playing at the Riviera Supper Club and we've been making money uh, and actually decent, decent money um, for what it is. I would say, I mean, anything, any money I make while doing a passion and pursuing a passion is like, holy yes. moly, it's, 
That's I don't even. Kick. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> like, oh, it makes me so happy. Uh, but, but recently, I was like, I I had built up, you know, this like just cash that I, and I went and bought uh, something, and I was like, man. I, I don't know. It, it's still, to me, it felt like, like guilty when I like went and put it in and like, mm-hmm. cause I, you know, I usually I'll have it in cash if it's savings or something, and then I'll go and deposit it in the bank and then I'll pay it off right away in the, on the credit card. Yeah. Um, so I'm still running my money through the credit card, which is easiest, obviously. Uh, but I, I just have to go and do that extra step. But for some reason, it still just was like, I didn't like that the the credit card went up and about like, uh-huh. you know, it was like, Oh, your balance is this. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> and you know, it, it's just, and it was my, you know, it's like a hundred, hundred bucks or something, but it just, it's like when it throws it off your, your natural, what you're used to seeing your natural routine. And you know how credit cards are. They're so weird. And yep. when, when you, you're, you're used to seeing the normal, the nominal data, but the minute there's like <laughs> something, there's a influx of, there's a big jump. That, that is outside of your normal it data. Hurts. Yeah. You're, you go engineer <laughs> yeah. on it and you're like, the telemetry is off. Yeah. And you just <laughs> pray, you pray credit karma is going to run your credit like <laughs> that day. And it's like, I had perfect credit yesterday. And then like when I, when I bought my laptop, I mean, it was $1,500. I mean, it was a huge chunk of change for me. And when I, I put that on my credit card and the next day was the one where credit karma ran. And now I know I'm not going trying to get a loan right now. It's not as important. And I know it's going to come back up the next time it runs. But, you know, I watched my credit karma, my credit score tank like 15 points and i'm like no <laughs> and i like panicked but it's that that you know like you said in just mindset of that obsession the obsessive mindset of wanting to, to everything to be perfect and um obviously that's not how life works so uh, i think yeah uh, i think just being a little bit more relaxed about it is always what we we need to tell ourselves and i thought it was yep. pretty funny the other day ali and me were we're trying to uh I don't know. We were playing this game where we checked each other's because through chase, you can go through and check your FICO score or something mm-hmm. like through Experian <laughs> yep. or something. And I think it's called like tr- chase credit journey. And I was like, Oh, I have this credit score. And she goes and checks hers. And hers was like some crazy high, like in the eight hundreds. And because she, we paid off a car together um, nice. when we got married. So she has like that car paid, paid <laughs> off on her side. So she has like an 800 credit score. And I'm like in seven, I'm like, in the seven hundreds or something. And she, it was kind of funny. I was just like, yeah, I've got, I've got, I've eight, got I'm in the 800 club. And I was like, I've yeah, got I'm better not. credit than you. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, a good point right there is uh, credit, credit scores are crucial. And if you, if you have interest in what your credit score is and you don't know what that is, I highly recommend you download credit karma and you set up an account, you can get your free credit score. Um, I'll admit when I did go to buy a car, the actual credit score was slightly lower, but it was, you know, only about 15 points lower. It wasn't anything crazy. Um, but credit karma is pretty accurate. And then you get access to your credit report every year. So once a year, you get free access to your credit report through creditreport.com. Um, and you get access to, you can continue to get at reports throughout the rest of the year, you just have to pay for them. But once a year, I download my credit report 
because that's where you check to make sure you have no delinquencies. So you didn't miss a payment or they're not falsely registering. You missed a payment that might be hurting your credit score. Also great way to double check. No one's stolen your identity because when you pull a credit report, it gives you I mean, just an insane amount of information in your credit report versus your score. And that helps you figure out what credit cards you have when your auto loans are paid off, when your mortgages. I mean, it's fantastic uh, to look at your credit journey through that. So um, that's good. That's a that's a hot tip coming to you once again from us here. And we're big on 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 credit, using it as a it's good to have credit. It's not good to utilize it at all times. And Agreed. I think that's kind of the, I'm looking at a little stat here. It said, Americans are notoriously bad at saving. The, the nation has extremely high levels of debt, which we know uh, our debt ceiling is insane, um, but it includes 438 billion in credit card debt, which is, that's over, that was as of March, 2020, right? Uh, when that When that data was pulled. And I think, it just shows how credit is good, but for so many people, it is probably the biggest burden mm -hmm. to, to, to utilize credit and utilize it well. It is a tool. It's just like every tool in the tool belt. We talk about our how-to hobby tool belt here. Get your, get your credit cards in there, but don't be afraid to just throw a card in a drawer if you're having trouble. You know, like, you know, don't, constantly be using different cards. I mean, I think I, I have maybe three cards that I use. Well, two, two, and it's the, my, my duo is the freedom, the chase freedom unlimited, which gives one and a half percent back on mm -hmm. everything. And then I do the chase, uh, Sapphire for travel and, and for, uh, purchase protection, uh, foreign transaction fees. If I do have anything where I go out of, out of town, that can be a pretty useful thing. And, but I, I try to keep it between those two. Um, and, and that is, that's kind of kept it less complicated for me. I don't want to be digging into four or five different credit cards, but it's not saying you can't do it. It's just, it's, it's just, a lot uh, to keep track of. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the tough part, especially now little tip. If you are struggling to keep track of when all your cards are due, you can call them request that your due dates be changed. That's that was really nice for me when I realized that I could do that it, to better align with when I was getting paid. It was easier for me to change my uh, due dates on my credit cards to align better. Um, but I also stick with the Chase cards. Uh, I have Navy Federal as well, um, and I think that's pretty much it. I think I have a, I had a gas card a few years ago that was a credit card through Mobile, but. Um, what this kind of leads me into, John, I'm kind of curious, and I know this is a topic we could spend some time talking on, but I've spent a lot of time researching different banks and how I set up my financial system. So from my checking to my savings to my credit cards, I've done a good amount of research into that. And I've spread, I've diversified across different banks. So uh, I have uh, my credit cards go through uh, Chase and my auto loan is through Chase. And I have one credit card in Navy Federal. I have my online checking account is where I have it for my checking account is an online checking account with Schwab. It's a high yield investors checking account. And then my savings account is through Ally and it's their high yield uh, savings account um, that gives me a, decent-ish uh, rate of return. It's not great, but it's better than what I was getting in Navy Federal. So I was kind of curious, 
I know you're a fan of Chase like I am. Chase is a fantastic. If you're going to go bank, I'm not a huge fan of banks, but if you're going to go bank, <laughs> Chase, Chase is, I think, at the top of my list. But I'm curious what your history of some of your banks is. Yeah, well, I think uh, similar to, to most people, I got a, got a uh, when I was young, probably got a savings or checking account. I think mm-hmm. it was a savings account probably. But since I was a military kid, it was always in random, random credit unions. My, my parents liked credit unions and that was kind of like the, so when I, when I moved out to San Diego in 2008, I, I had taken all my savings out of my bank account back in the, in the East coast. I think it was ABNB credit union. Don't know what that means, but took it out. It was weird. Like having physical cash that much money. Mm-hmm. So I've been working and I probably had a, a good amount of savings. I mean, I don't know, maybe couple thousand dollars for a young man coming out in the middle of his junior year of high school with a dream, a couple, (laughs) couple greens in my pocket. And I opened an account with California coast credit or Cal coast credit union. So there's Mm -hmm. like a couple different ones. It's kind of interesting. There's like the California credit, California coast credit union. Then there's Cal coast. It's (laughs) It's kind of wild. Yeah. It's pretty funny, man. It's, it's the wild west um here in 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 california and in the u.s in general there's just a lot of bank diversity which is cool uh but so i started there and that's where i ran all of my that's where i established my first credit so i got one of those secure credit accounts where they pretty much like loan money against my savings and that was like a secured so Mm -hmm. pretty much if i went under or defaulted on that credit I, it would come out of my savings. And it's like the only that's way I interesting. Yeah. That's the only way that I was able to like get my own credit card. And it was like a $500 limit or something. <laughs> so I had that and I ran through that for, I don't know, a couple months. I think it was probably about a year. And then I finally got my first credit card, which had a, probably a similar credit limit. I think it, maybe it was like a thousand dollars. No, I think it went up to 5,000 and I was then able to run everything through that card or use it. And then mm-hmm. I didn't really do much when I was in school. I, I had no, no plans, no anything. I was very frugal. Um, and then when Allie and I got married, we, that's when we kind of came together with chase. Um, Cause she had chase. And then I, sort of looked into it, did research. I wasn't happy with everything that Chase offered, mm-hmm. just to be completely honest. Uh, I think credit unions give better dividends for, um, what, what are those tickets that you can take out? Like bond, not bonds. Um, they're like the high... Well, like the, like the CDs, the certificates. CDs, yeah, yep. certificates of deposit. Yes. So those are always better in credit unions. Mm-hmm. So I've done a couple of those. I still have my Cal Coast account and it doesn't really have much value or use, but I I have it just in case I need to get potentially an auto loan. I don't know. I'd, I'd confirm between the two or um, maybe Chase. I mean, Chase has been great. They've they're, Their lending department that we went through them for our, our house and oh man, the rep there was on it. She was sharp as a tack, man. She just like, I'd call her run numbers with her. And, and that's what, if you want to run numbers, you, you got to do it well. And sometimes I, I yeah. talk with these, I don't know much about housing. I mean, I didn't, it was my first run in the, in, in the housing world, like the, 
the real estate side. So I was learning a lot, but I would like to just talk percentages. And so what, where is this going? What is this? And sometimes if a lender that actually disqualified Cal Coast, sadly, <laughs> their, their lender department was like, not with it, man. It was, uh-huh. it was weird. So anyway, I, I got with Chase and, and it's been, it's been good. So we've been running everything pretty much through them and I'm not happy with the yield for any of that stuff, but that's why we're going to be getting into here at the, at the end of this episode, uh, the Roth IRA side, which is, yep. this is where you want to put your money. Uh, this is where you want to be seeing your, your gains, your, your actual rate of return. Right. I mean, so, and, and I think Sean, we can just talk about rate of return. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's some confusion sometimes within young people when they see, uh, their, their savings or checking account gives a point one you know, like a point <laughs> zero one percent. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. Point zero one percent. Uh, return on whatever value you have in there. It's chump, you know, it's, it's literally pennies on the dollar, mm-hmm. not even pennies on the dollar. It's actually no, it's, less it's than tiny, tiny amounts. Fractional. It's absolutely crazy. That's why I went with Schwab because at least it's, it's a little bit more clear about the numbers you're getting. And it's a little bit higher because with their, their investment accounts and, and stuff like that. But uh, a Roth IRA, you look here, it's a, an IRA, a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA, all mean the same thing. Um, it's a type of investment account really focused on retirement um, that you can invest in starting I don't know if there's a minimum age. Do you know if there's a minimum age on a Roth? I think you can do it. I don't know much. the minimum, but I know I started when I was 18. Yeah, I started when I was 23. So I'm not quite as on it as John was <laughs> in his youth. But um, so. <laughs> there, there's a lot of resources out there for Roth IRAs, but it's an amazing retirement investment account. And the key about Roth is it's post-tax. So no it's age limit to open, sir. You can Perfect. open a Roth IRA Perfect. age at any age. So if you're listening and you're in diapers, get on it right now. <laughs> go do it. <laughs> I'm um, going to go knock on my kid's door right now. Yeah. You got to get a Roth. <laughs> go get it. Um, it's it's post-tax money. So a 401k, if your work offers that, or you can actually open up your own 401ks, um, it's pre-tax. So the cool part is it brings your taxable amount down. So you pay less when you file for taxes. But um when you pull money from that, when you retire, you are taxed on that at the current tax bracket that you are at when you retire. So when you uh, invest in a Roth, it's post-tax money. So if you take that money out for retirement, you can, it is no longer taxed. If you take it out too early, I think it's 59 and a half, you take it out too early, you get penalized. Um, but once you hit that age limit, it is your money to do with whatever you want. Um, no taxes, no anything. Um, and that that's the best part. And they see the same returns as an investment account or a 401k. Uh, it's just post-tax money. Oh so man, this is already just getting me so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. Potential tax savings, more like definite tax savings. Definite tax savings. The key for a Roth is you, when you retire, you want to have a diversified portfolio of retirement accounts that are pre-tax and post-tax so that 
um, you have more flexibility when you decide you want to retire and what you pull from and when you want to pull from it. So let's say you are at a higher tax bracket when you retire than now, the tax you're paying on the money that you're then putting into your Roth would be less now than you would have paid if it were in a 401k when you retired. So you, you play that game of, I want some money in a 401k because it's tax-free brings your taxable income down. Like it really helps with taxes. And I want money in a Roth because I can use that money whenever I want after I think it's 59 and a half. Uh, is the age limit. So once you hit that, that's, you can do with it. That's right. You are on the money. I'm, yep. I'm, <laughs> you, you can do with it what you want. So it's um, a 10% penalty. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's enough that it's, you're like, it's plus you're, you start messing with your, um, compound interest, which that's a very scary thing. You don't want to touch. You want to try and let it build as long as possible because it continues building on itself. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to link a Roth IRA calculator from nerd wallet. Um, nerd wallet is a great website. If you're looking for calculators, Bankrate.com also another great one. Um, but nerd wallet has a Roth IRA calculator that lets you change some of the variables of your age, your current income, how much you have in savings, and then how much you would return or your, how much you would contribute to your Roth, how much you would return when you retire, all that stuff. So I recommend everyone go in and play with it. But the real thing, John, I want us to talk about is the importance of investing now versus tomorrow and looking at the difference in how much money you have in Roth when you're 30 versus if you started when you were 40. That's right. Well, and I think, I don't know, Sean, if you've had these conversations with friends, but I know personally, I've been a huge proponent of once start, once I, once you start to see the compounding effects take place, even, even within 10 years of, I'm 30 now and, and I'm starting to see compounding effects even 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Right. And when I started listeners, I didn't have, I couldn't meet the, the contribution max, I wasn't putting in $5,000, which is like, I think that's what it was at the beginning. Yep. You know, I started with a very small, you know, account, probably 2000 or some of my money that I had put in and that, that was my base. And then I went from there just trying to like 10% of what I made just went in there. And, and so it's, I think Sean, and again, when I talk to people, I think they get overwhelmed because maybe they have debt or maybe they have student loans or maybe they have car debt at the time. And they're like, why would I start putting in for my tomorrow when I have this debt now that needs my immediate attention? And my, my, my always, uh, you know, kind of shot back to that is you could even start with 5%, but start something. I mean, mm -hmm. take, you know, split it up then give 5% to your debt now that you, and again, if we're going off of our thumb rule that we established 20% should be going to savings of some sort. So you should be able to at least get, you know, 10 and 10 out to go to your various things. And I think that's more than adequate to bring down balances and, uh, for, for cars or, well, uh, more like student loans, I think in this, in this case, <laughs> yeah. but car, car would be more like part of the want category, part of the 30%, I would say, um, that, that we're, that we're breaking down. And that's sort of like something that you've calculated in, but yeah, Sean, let's run through a, a basic calculation here with setting up this nerd wallet, uh, calculator. And so we're saying, I think, I think we were saying we'll start with somebody who's 
at age 30. Well, mm-hmm. let, Sean, let's start with somebody who is starting at age 20. Okay, let's just, roll with 20. Just, just to show the power, because I think we want to do two things here. We want to show the power of the compounding effect, but additionally, we want to show why you would start now versus yeah. later. So yeah. it's it's all one and the same. But So you say you started at 20, and we're saying our annual contribution this 20 year old is out of school. He's, he's got his job. He's landed his first job and he can meet an annual contribution. Let's say 5,000 Sean, he's, he's coming out and he's, you know, taking in, um, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever that would be to get, to get to 5,000. The other interesting thing listeners, and I've done this, I do want to throw this out there. You can take, it does work. I, and Sean, I don't know if you've done this, but you can take, cause you can contribute to your 2020 or the year mm-hmm. prior all the way up into the next year. So Correct. if we were to go into 2022 here, which we're about to, we're about to break through. And if you do your taxes early and get your return done early, you can contribute some of that return to your 2021, the prior year, last year, mm-hmm. Or, well, in this case, since it is 2021, we'll say I could have contributed to 2020 last year with some of my returns that I had from my already my my uh, my taxed income. Uh, so my federal saving, my federal return or my state return, whatever, however your tax situation works. Have you ever done that, Sean? I haven't. So I usually bill it so that from January 1st to December 31st, whatever paychecks I have in there, I split my max contribution into those paychecks. So, cause for me, I it's cleaner. It's, for me, it's, <laughs> it's cleaner because that's, that's the only way my brain can work. I need to group everything in a nice, tight, clean grouping. So first to the 31st of, of the full year, that's my contribution. And then starting on the next one, I'm going to do start investing again to hit my mass contribution. But I know you can do that through, I don't know the date. It's at least through the first couple of months of the year. Yeah. The first couple of months of the year that you can contribute back. Um, So yeah, Yeah, if if you can get your taxes done, the second you get your tax paperwork from whoever you're working with, file. That's my biggest advice to everybody is do not wait for taxes. 100% don't wait for taxes. Whether you owe or whether you're going to get money back, the biggest mistake you can make with taxes is waiting because then it becomes a chore. If you can just knock it out in January, like, oh, that's the best gift you can give to yourself. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, there's a lot of really dumb things you can do with your return, but sometimes at the beginning of the year, you might be thinking, dude, I want to prime up my last year, which is Mm -hmm. usually what I'm thinking. So, and I I can't meet, I like to meet the contribution limit. It's free, it's free money. So if I can still do that every single year, even using this little loophole, it's, it's, I've done what Sean has done. I just, uh, have done it in a different way, which is the way we, we always do it, Sean. We're always just slightly (laughs) different to turn the dial just a little bit different. (laughs) Okay. So back to our example here. So we have a, a 20 year old, He's, he's able to contribute 5,000. His retirement age is 67. And that's the average age, I believe. He's single. His current savings 
What do you, do you want to, do you want to say he starts with 2000 or just straight? He's, let's just he's say starting starts, at zero. Let's just say he starts at zero. Um, with zero. Let's do a rate of return of 8%. The calculator lows of six, but I think a pretty average return is, is 8% along the long term. Um, and I don't know, what do you want the income to be? So based on this, the income kind of just helps figure out how much money you will need when you retire. Um, they kind of calculate that. So you want to do like he's living in California. He needs he needs eighty five k a year 85. to survive. <laughs> oh man, if that's the case, then I'm not surviving. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's roll with with fifty k. Ten percent of his his annual. Granted, that's pre tax, but is going Dude, to Sean, you live in rough. the Bay Area, man. You are going to be. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> well, let's just, let's just go with that. You know? Yeah, that sounds uh, good. I think that'll break the with California. That's it's such a small part of the, of the world. Exactly. Um, we're going to say 50. That's, that's going to make everybody feel better. Okay. So what are we seeing here, Sean? It looks like we have a final balance at retirement at 67 of $2.45 million. That's an M. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's contributing $5,000 a year and you walk away with almost two and a half million because of the compounding effects. Um, we've got, if you look at this, the taxable amount versus the Roth IRA, we're saying that uh, the, the total Roth is 2.45. The taxable account is 1.38. So that's showing you the amount of money that you've put in versus the amount of money that the compound has and investing the rate of return has given you. Which is that's, over a million dollars. That is just absolutely insane to think about uh, that you can contribute and walk away a multimillionaire when you retire. That, that's all it yeah, takes. I, I um, know. I'm, I'm, I'm every time I pop one of these bad boys open, I, I'm blown away. Cause again, he didn't start with anything. He didn't yeah. start with, he started with $0. He just went in. He said, I'm going to start being proactive. Take my finances by the horn. Yeah, let's say he did four, $4,000. That's still $1.96 million. So we just dropped it by a thousand. We're still looking at almost $2 million in his account. So it's, it's an astronomical number when you really think about it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Let's put it back to 5,000 and let's, let's see what playing with his age does. Okay. I like this. I like this game. Listeners, you like this game? We going to 30, Sean? Let's go to 30. What do, what do we got? 1.1 million at 30, which is not bad. It's not bad. It's definitely not bad. So if you start investing with zero in your account at 30 years old, doing the same amount as the 20 year old is, you still walk away with over a million dollars in your account, but that's less than half of what the 20 year old will have when he retires. So just 10 years and you're now walking away with less than half of the money that the 20 year old is. Gosh. And now let's, a... let's, let's bump it up to 40. All right. This is where you get sad. <laughs> so 40 for me looks like 472,000 in your Roth. So the point of this is not to make people feel overwhelmed by, oh my God, I'm behind. Yes, the key yes. is looking forward, look at where you could be today versus tomorrow. And that that's really the key with this is we all could have started investing sooner. Every single person on the planet unless their parents were investing for them before they were born. 
they, we always could have started sooner, but the mentality of focusing on that will just make you feel more guilt and you'll not do it. If you focus on, look, if I start now, look at how much farther I could be. And everyone look at this and you go five year difference, 10 year difference. And you're like, Oh my God, that's, that's not uh, like, that's a lot of time. I have a lot of time before I get to 30. I have a lot of time before I get to 40. So I've got time to figure it out. I want everybody who's listening to this to look back on the last 10 years and think about the facts of how fast that went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, then look at yourself and go, yeah, if I have that mentality, if I continue to have the mentality in another 10 years, it'll be gone in the blink of an eye. And that, that's what you have to look at. How fast did the last 10 years go? Because the next 10 are going to be even faster than that. So start, start doing something now. And John and I aren't experts, but we've spent a lot of time doing our own research and, and really looking into this. And so I, I recommend you do the same thing, but my best advice, start doing something now. Well, and I do just want to, Sean, that's beautiful. And I, I think the listeners can see one, just the, the heart that you have for finances and, and for making people feel better about it. And I, I appreciate that. And I think just going back to our little calculator here, Sean, I put it back to 20 Mm -hmm. and I just want to just show, because we talked at the beginning a little bit, and this will probably be our last thing that we're going to talk about for the night listener. So hang in there for the last little tidbit, but the power of the compounding. And I think for me, Sean, even with my own Roth, nobody needs to know the numbers and nobody needs to know where I'm at, but it's been interesting to see how aggressively with the more time that goes on, the, the farther the band starts to spread mm-hmm. and, and how quickly your, your money that you're putting in is just going up with one, the market and, and seeing those compounding effects. So, you know, if we're, if we get into like our later years, you can scroll from like start Mm -hmm. starting at like 2050, you can see you have, you know, six, 612,000, 2051, a year later, you've already, you're gaining about 50 grand a year in, in just interest, like compounding returns, not, not, sorry, not interest compounding returns. And then, you know, if we go up to like our 60, this is where it gets amazing towards the end of your, your life here. And Sean says, you know, mention an important point. You don't want to mess with your compounding effects towards the end of your account life. But so I'm scheduled to be done in 2065. Will I probably not? I'll probably keep going a little bit further, but, um, that was my initial, kind of thing I set up. Um, but it looks like, so starting at 2060, Sean, we're at 1.4 million. Um, and each year subsequently we're going about, what is that? Like a hundred thousand dollars. So (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, this, it's just, it's just unbelievable. The amount of money that's again, you open up that and again, even even if we were to look at the thirty year old starting at thirty, which is more than uh, most people can get involved and get enjoying, we hope that this is encouraging all of our age of listeners. We're again, we're not trying to make anybody feel bad here. We're not trying, but we're just trying to show a very important principle that we think is is great for for many and brings value to a lot of people. And we don't want it to go by. Um, 
there's still always a chance to encourage your youth and to even, even if you are an older saver, you know, getting, I got, I got kind of tutored by an older gentleman who had a, had seen the power of this. I don't know when he started exactly, but I know that he had seen the power of it. And I think he was taking advantage of the double dipping that we talked about, Sean, we're having a 401k <laughs> along with, you know, some military experience. So he had, you know, some VA benefits and, um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can skin the cat, but there's always a time and a place for encouragement for people that maybe are younger than you, or I, you know, in your current age range that may not be doing this. I try and talk to all of my friends that, that haven't been investing yet. And especially family members, you know, having these conversations about the power and, and what can take place is, can be so important. And if handled in the right way, Sean, I'd like to take you along with me. Cause I think you do a much better job than me, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, uh, this conversation really shows you how powerful numbers can be and how powerful planning ahead can be. Um, I just decided to run a quick calc, um, cause we're, we're using numbers, 5,000, 6,000 year. Let's say you can't do that. Let's say the max you can do is a hundred dollars a month. So that's $1,200 a year. So we'll punch in 1200 into the annual contribution. Uh, the age I said is 30. So maybe you're not your, your, um, you know, 30, early thirties income of 50,000 current savings of zero, uh, retirement age rate of return, 8%. The Roth balance, you walk away at retirement $263,000. Now that's nowhere near the scales we were just talking about, but let's say you took the hundred dollars and you saved that. So it was 12, 1200 a year times 37 years. So 30 to 67, cause that's our retirement age, 37 years. So let's say you took a hundred dollars and you, you put it in your mattress and you didn't, didn't have compound, didn't have a high yield savings account, anything like that. You walk away with $44,000. So you invest your money in a retirement account, 263,000. You save your money in a mattress, 44,000. So the numbers are already talking to you. Then you think of the fact that in those 37 years, imagine how much inflation went up. So now mm. that 44,000 is not worth 44,000 anymore. It's worth like, 30,000. It's less than that. So it's the fact that no matter what you can do, every dollar will count in the long run. And that's the biggest takeaway of anybody in any financial journey, no matter what it is, reading books, listening to podcasts, listening to John, I sit here and, and, and talk about our own finances. The, the time aspect is the most powerful tool and any little bit helps as long as you can continue and focus on the long term. Mm. Couldn't have said it better myself, Sean. I think that's a great way to end the show. So thank you for taking the time listeners tonight, listening to us talk about something that we think is extremely important. It's probably the most important topic that we've talked about here. Most important hobby that you can mm -hmm. dig into probably in your life uh, because again, it's talking about tomorrow. I can fall off my mountain bike now and, and later on down the road say, Oh, that was fun. I got a scar, but it's not going to give me value other than the reminiscent of, or the reminiscing value of that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think this is something we really think is great. And if you have questions, if you have 
comments, concerns, or you just want to reach out to us in any way, shape or form, send us an email, send us a, a, a line. You know, if it needs to be more personal, send us an email. We have our email on our website, howtohobbypodcast.com. You can reach us there. I think there's even a question and answers form. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll, we, we want to be kind of your eyes and ears here and, and encourage along the way. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been a, it's been a joy. This is Sean's favorite time of year. I'm, a, I'm probably going to go get a quick jump rope in, get some cold air in my lungs. And uh, Sean, we'll, we'll talk soon, but yeah thanks a lot man and i hope you have a great time doing whatever you have going on this week and if we don't talk before christmas are we talking before christmas i don't know i don't know we'll we'll have to to get together and figure that out but if we don't um to all the listeners out there we wish you a wonderful christmas a, a wonderful uh whatever holiday if you don't celebrate christmas whatever holiday you may have coming your way um this is this is the time of year where you really focus on what you have and the amazingness of what you have and that that's important and that that's what makes every day worth worth living for so take take the time spend it with family spend it with friends and uh just enjoy what you've got all right well that's bennett we'll talk to you soon yep. thanks guys bye